And this is The Culture Cult with Bex and Maria. And that was a beautiful old romantic song, Nemikitipa by Jacques Brel. And before then, we had Habibi by Aziz, which, just a quick note on that one, I thought it was interesting. Quite a controversial Bulgarian pop folk or chelga artist um, is the kind of subculture in that. Just do go and Google his amazing, amazing costumes and outfits. Um, I believe he was singing in Bulgarian. Yes. Right? But the word, the title Habibi is obviously um, an Arabic word, not just amongst lovers, but between friends and family. And it's worked its way into that European, Middle Eastern vernacular across the world. So, yeah, nice, a nice fitting song there. So we're talking about love today and we have a special guest on the line with us. We have the talented Melbourne-based but Cypriot-Australian poet Coralie Dimitriadis. She's known for being the author of Love and F Poems. Her work often features themes of love, heartbreak, marriage, divorce, cultural expectations and identity. Um, her novel Divided Island is in the works, but her latest novel in verse, Just Give Me the Pills, is available now in bookstores and online. Thank you for joining us, Coralie. Welcome, Coralie. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome to our Culture Cult um, on Sin. It's great to have you. There's so much we can talk to you about. I mean, your works cross cross so many different mediums. Yeah, we want to chat. You cover a lot of different themes in your work as well. Um, are there certain messages uh, or themes that uh, you find are more easily expressed through certain mediums? Um, well, I guess, you know, I do write a lot from um, personal experience and what it's like um, to be a woman in a migrant culture. And um, so I do find that, you know, um, I do use my art as kind of like a catharsis in a way where it's very immediate and in the moment and, um, and then usually um, uh, through creating my art, I surpass the emotions and kind of um, heal that wound but then the art is there available for others to access um, and and read or experience through my films or my theatre or my books um, so they can, um, you know, so they can feel like, you know, they're understood because I think, you know, we're all humans and we all go through the same very similar experiences Mm. and so you know my art is about really connecting with people who have um you know suffered like any kind of repression um or struggle with identity um or um you know or yeah so basically like yeah and and there's kind of like things that feed off that kind of core um thing theme of repression um but yeah that's basically um how i create my art so from a lot of life experiences, which seem to be so relatable and immediate to Maria and I as well, both culturally diverse young uh, Australian women grew up in different um, communities as well. We want to take it back to one of your earlier works, the bestseller Love and F Poems. What was the initial muse for this work? And can you take us back to that period in your life? Um, yeah, so I wrote initially Love and F Poems was a zine um, which um, then became a book. And it was really just something that I wanted to have to sell at my poetry performances. Um, and I didn't really expect it to take off like it did. But um, I guess I had just come out of my marriage and realised that, you know, I really didn't know how to um, 
how to date um, or have any kind of positive relationship with my body. Um, and um, I realized that that was because, you know, I had a kind of very strict upbringing where I wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch sex on TV. So, um, you know, when I got married very young at 22, so when I came out of my marriage, I really just was, people were going to me, how old are you? Are you like 19? And I was like, you know, 30. <laughs> you know, so, um, so yeah, that's where Love and F Poems um like came about and um and then you know after um after I started doing some more writing and then um I realized that you know that um the, the works could become theater that's when I created the theater show you know saying the wrong things all the time um which is based on love and f poems and just give me the pills um so yeah so that that's where that came from <laughs> How did you find that process of translating it from a medium um, from poetry, written works, to the stage, to theatre? Um, I guess, you know, I've always um, felt... Like, I was a computer programmer when, <laughs> before I was a writer, um, and, you know, I always wanted to explore the arts and writing and acting, um, but I wasn't really supported... Um, you know, by by cultural expectations, because you know the migrants came here, and we were supposed to have good jobs and business jobs and stuff. So, but I've always wanted to act and you know perform, and so um, the writing was always just like kind of like a vehicle for getting up on stage, and so it was always um, it was it was kind of seamless, and um, I think that what really um, you know what really helped me. Um, get into the into the um, mediums of film and theatre was um, you know for film it was Nathan Little he um, he was my co-director on my films the Good Greek Girl Film Project and Olga Aristodemou from Cyprus he was my um, acting coach and um, theatre director for my show and I think those two people were instrumental in helping me get the education around those mediums that I wasn't able to get because, you know, I was off being a computer programmer, basically. Such a <laughs> totally different worlds. But we're grateful that you have been creating scenes because you can share a lot more, I think, to share a lot more um, through art. Um, I also want to ask, Just Give Me the Pills has been described as a follow-up to Love and If Poems in a way. Um, is it a continuation or a conclusion to the same journey? Would you? What would you say is the connection, if any? Um, look, they're both novels in verse, as in, like, they both tell a story, because I'm always very big on telling stories. Even when I perform at a poetry event, I'll lay out my poems in a way that it has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, so I think um, it is a follow-up to just give me the pills. And like I said, both of these works together form the basis of my theatre show, which has a full, like, trajectory, narrative. It's a full theatre show. Um, lighting design, set design, costume, everything. So um, I think if, like, I don't like to tell people, um, you know, that they're connected, but because people can enjoy them separately and they don't need to, you know, um, you know, like, you know, read both. They're not like a, like, they're not part one and part two. But for me, I think Love and F Poems kind of sits in the middle of the narrative of Just Give Me the Pills. So um, it's not like a, a prequel or a sequel. It, it sits, the story sits in the middle. But I wanted with 
I wanted was just give me the pills. I, I didn't want it to be about guys and dating. I wanted to be I wanted to be about someone that didn't wasn't given the opportunity or encouragement to find their voice. Um, married young, and then and then finding that voice in the face of cultural pressures. To stay, to conform, and stay, you know, uh, you know, as you should be, married, mother, housewife, you know, and 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 really fighting that to find your voice, claim your voice, and, and stake your claim. And I didn't want that book to have anything to do with um, dating and men um, in that sense. So that's why they, they're very, they're very different works. You are on the Coach Code with Pex and Maria, and we're joined by Carly Dimitriotis, a wonderful poet, writer, amongst many other talents that you share. We're talking about love, relationships, um, societal expectations of women growing up in different cultures. So if you don't mind on that note, I'll take it back to one of um, your works, Love According to Wogs, which is such an intense poem. Um, I loved seeing you perform it in a little YouTube clip as well where it, it literally comes to life as you're sitting in this this cafe and you break out into this um, poem and I guess that relates to the expectations we do face you mentioned you know mother um, housewife a lot of traditional roles there do you think the expectations they differ across generations or do you see perhaps younger generations breaking out of those molds um, I think it really does depend on when your parents migrated. Mm. So, um, for example, I've got women my age who didn't experience what I experienced because their parents came out when they were five years old and they they didn't, they, when they came, they were so young that they didn't bring with them all the cultural, you know, norms um, with them. You know, my parents came, um, you know, in their like um, in their early twenties. You know, so um, so they had they had already formed their their ideas in their mind of what what it is to be, you know, in our culture, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be all these different things. You know, they came from very remote villages where they, you know, they didn't have they didn't have any access to you know city life and and stuff. So. You know, my experience will be very different to someone else's experience. And, and so, you know, even today, you know, we're seeing, like, cultures, not Greek cultures, other cultures that, you know, that come over here and, and they're very... And they've got all those cultural expectations from their homeland. They come over in their, you know, when they're, like, 19, 20, you know, and, and when they have children, they're probably going to raise them, you know, in, in, a, in a strict way according... To their culture's expectations, so I don't think it's generational. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, your parents and um, and and their experience. And I really um, do um, explore that a lot in um, in my novel, Divided Island, because um, it's a love story set in Melbourne and Cyprus, and it explores how our upbringing affects who we love and how we love. Because if we have very strict upbringings, who we end up with is 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 affected by that by our upbringing um yeah that's spot on yeah definitely <laughs> and it's interesting because with migration you want to hold on you don't want to lose your homeland entirely but it's hard like how do you how do you choose what you yeah should and where do we fit keep? in between being culturally diverse but growing up in australia or wherever we grow up 
what do we hold on to what do we want to keep from our roots and how do we navigate this this big you know dating love relationships all the rest of it um i have yeah um i have a question about creating art um and also there's a note in this beginning of just give me the pills that says a poem is a fragment in time it is not the poet um so my question is when it comes to making art are there certain moments of the past or certain emotions um that uh, you feel particularly feel your creativity. Um, basically, I'm just asking, like, if there is a truth to the tortured artist stereotype, or are there? Because you touch on a lot of painful sort of memories and moments, um, or are there also positive events or emotions? Do you think? Um, I think you know, like I said initially at the start, I think it's a. Um you know, you're, it's a catharsis. And I, I put that line in the, in the start of my book because I get often criticised for my poetry because, um, you know, I write from this very personal, visceral, raw place. And, um, and I might write a poem and then, you know, and this happens quite a bit with my work. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'll, I'll write the poem and then a couple of years later I'll be like... Oh, I don't feel that way anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that's, that's, that's the price you pay for writing art or writing, writing that is very immediate and raw. It's that you will surpass the emotion yeah. through creating that art and your catharsis, and you will be tortured at that time. Because, because the thing is, is my poetry... Is, 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 I put a lot of feeling into it. I explain what it's like. I want the reader to feel what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I am tortured in that moment. But through writing the piece, I, I heal myself. I understand myself better. And, and I move on. But then there's going to be someone that comes along that reads that poem who can't write and explain what they're feeling. And they'll read the poem and they'll be like, oh, yes, this is how I feel. And it's that connection that I seek with my audiences, you know, to give them this, like, gift is what I call it. You know, I, I suffered this to write this poem and I'm giving it to you so you can feel better. And for that, that, that makes sense? <laughs> for that, do thank you. That's totally relatable, Coralie, definitely. <laughs> On that note, would you, be, would you like to share um, part of your poem or a poem perhaps so our listeners can get a taste of your writing? Yeah, I mean, I could, since we, we spoke of Love According to Wogs, I can do that poem if yes, you'd like. Yes, please. That's one of our favourites. Okay. <laughs> this is Coralie Dimitriatis on the Coach Cult on Sin, sharing her poem. Love According to Wogs. Be who we want you to be and we will love you. Fulfill your womanly duties. Pop them out like popcorn. Sacrifice like we sacrificed and we will love you. We will love you, daughter. We will love you, sister. We will love you, cousin. We will love you. We are solid like brick, not like the bloody Afsali. We will overfill you with love, one oily dish at a time. In times of need, we help each other. Even when we turn our back, we hold and trap. We are helping, you'll see. It's an evil eye. She needs blessing. Listen, we love you. Honor thy husband. Respect your parents. Clean your house, take your pills, be normal, and the rest will love itself. 
that oh how do we how do we recover from that that's so moving um that, thank that, you very raw is definitely a word I would use to describe and I love I love that you use a bit of humor as well though my favorite is the phrase one oily dish at a time (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean the thing is I actually speaking of humor like um I remember when I did my theater show and um I had these um a group of like Cypriot women that came in that were laughing through the whole show, yes. even though like there's so many parts that are so serious, mm-hmm. they just found the humour in it. And I think when you've had the experience, you can laugh at it. Yeah. You can go, oh yeah, I get it. And so that's why um, definitely like my art does does kind of fall into like the black comedy kind of genre because yeah i'm writing in this very serious way but it's so over the top dramatic that you can almost you can almost laugh at it and people do laugh and cry and you know all that so i'm happy to give people a laugh (laughs) carly we we thank you immensely for your time on the show today and for being so kind as to share one of your poems uh, with us carly dimitriotis author poet performer all round awesome person. Thanks for being on the Culture Call with us today. Thanks for having me. We're going to go to a song, Eros by Cristela Dimitriou. This is the Culture Call on Sin. We were just listening to Eros by Cristela Dimitriou. Um, It's a very interesting song. Uh, Cristela Dimitriou was based in Melbourne. She was a Cypriot Australian artist, uh, just like Coralie, the poet we were just speaking with. Um, and Eros, the song by Cristela Dimitriou, contains uh, lyrics and passages from poetry by the famous Greek lesbian poet Sapfo. She is an interesting figure to be aware of. She was around in like 600 BC, um, mm. and it was the themes in her work of women Uh, loving women, which is why we use the word lesbian, because she was from the Greek island of Lesbos. Right. Yeah. So it's true in my big my big fat Greek wedding when the dad's like, all these words, they come from Greek, arachnophobia. (laughs) That one, yes, it definitely is. (laughs) It is. It is true. We were talking to Coralie about many things, many relatable experiences, I think, um, to women growing up in culturally diverse communities. And as much as we love our culture and we're proud of it, at times there is challenges um, when we're navigating the dating world, love, expectations, what are our roles meant to be. And so just extending on that, thought we'd have a little chat about love, marriage, dating, all the rest of it. Um, with a bit more of a light-hearted approach, I guess, to this. So on our previous episode, um, going back to our roots, we touched a little bit on the stereotypes that people have about when we go back to our motherlands. And something that we get asked, Maria, is, you know, did you have any proposals? Did you have people really that forthright and forthcoming? But I think when I'm asking you or if it's someone who has the experience, it's how many proposals did you get? <laughs> well, thank you. That's very flattering. Um, you know, only 10, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said to Maria when we are planning the show, it's really hard to talk about this without sounding arrogant. It's not like I'm trying to show off like, oh, this is how many people want to marry me. No, it was actually quite... Um, embarrassing and it can be quite awkward and a lot of our cultures have this thing of wanting um, 
to say you are, but it's it's probably the biggest compliment you can get. It means you're a catch, you know, you're attractive, educated. That's what that's what they want. Youthful. <laughs> um, both Maria and myself are learning additional languages at the moment through um, adult learning. So Maria's doing Spanish, and I'm doing Arabic, just at a local um, adult school here in Melbourne. Something that amuses me is Maria, um, the homework you get versus the homework we get. So there was one particular homework example. Do you want to share? Yeah, it's really good. Um, it was really funny. I was sharing it to friends on Instagram and people from overseas that speak Spanish and like, of course, that's in there. There's these really cute, um, cheesy passages where it was... Rocio has two boyfriends and she can't choose between the two. One of them, Andreas, is an artist and he has a lot of friends, but he introduces them as his girlfriends, while the other one is a sensitive, like, doctor and we're trying our <laughs> task of help matchmaking. Literally choose the best match for Rocio. Whereas down the corridor in my class, um, we were learning how to say jobs and occupations and introducing yourself and uh, marital status. And I was going through the worksheet and I was like, that's very interesting. Your options are single, engaged, married, divorced, which is still a bit taboo to say that. People would just rather say, I'm not married, or widowed or widower, which is quite sad, quite morbid. Um, So we, a few of us in the class, asked our teacher, okay, but what about in a relationship, like there's a bit of a transition you go through between single to engaged or single to married. But no, there was no direct translation for girlfriend or boyfriend. It would simply be introducing as a friend. And then apparently after that, no further questions asked. <laughs> yes. Is there a way to imply it? Is it the way you say my friend or do people I just think, know? Look, I'll speak to the Lebanese culture because that's the one I can speak to the most think they're very good investigators in asking the questions around it. They'll figure out things like your religion, your politics, your relationship status, how much you even earn, just by asking the right questions around it. Um, So (laughs) perhaps if they want to figure out how much you earn or if you've got a good job, they're probably looking at the car you drive or the phone you've got or the clothes you're wearing, that sort of thing. And they'll be like, you're that kind of friend. Yeah. (laughs) And if not, you should be. (laughs) So, yeah, there's so much. Like, we could honestly do a whole other series just on love, dating and culture in this, in this, on this theme. Um, There was also quite a sweet movie that we enjoyed, Holly's Wedding. You might have seen it. It's a comedy which talks about wedding traditions um, it's released. It was released in August 2017. It's an Australian production about uh, the son of a Muslim cleric who is in love with a Lebanese Australian woman. So obviously, I found that totally relatable <laughs> um, on my scene. It it talks about these wedding traditions and these stereotypes, but in such a comedic way that they amplify that they're ridiculous. It's a really funny film. Yeah, there's a particular scene where it's the tea ceremony and he kind of stuffs it because he's trying to show that he's not keen for this woman, just wants to get out of there because he's really in love with his other love interest. But his mates stuff it up for him and he drinks the tea or the coffee way too quick and the family, the woman's family, take it as he's so keen to marry. Look how quick. He didn't even wait for the permission of the father to drink the tea. He just sculled it down. <laughs> That's how keen he is. 
So something to be aware of if you're ever dating, if you're ever having a tea ceremony, um, when you're meeting the potential in-laws. I'm going to play some romantic um, atmospheric music in the background. Just let me, give me a moment to cue that, Maria. Beautiful. While we continue with our tales of love, dating, marriage. We actually collected quite a few. (laughs) There it is. Oh, how nice. (laughs) We collected um, a bunch of beautiful little phrases. um, Yeah. Phrases of love in other tongues. And phrases of affection as well, not just between lovers or friends, but between family. Yeah. Oh, still, there's different forms of love. Um, Do you want to kick it off with? (laughs) There's one in Arabic that's literally our English speaking listeners will find this bizarre. It's yabudni, which literally means, literally meaning you bury me. So it's quite often used by parents, grandparents, someone older, saying it to a child, even if you're an adult child. Ah, okay. (laughs) So it's literally you bury me. And the hope is you'd go before them because living without them would be way too painful. And to me, that just sums up how intense Arabs can be. I would love someone to tell me that I bury them. <laughs> yeah. It's like you kill me, you kill me. Like you just, I love you that much. Um, I The first thing on my mind is... That in Greek, it's a lot. A lot of it is romantic love, but you can say it to um, family members as well. There are so many different pet names um, and affectionate phrases that you would share to someone. Uh, so many that I've compiled a list, keeping in mind the things my mother refers to her pet cats with and myself. <laughs> yeah, pets as well. We said family, but pets are a part of our family. Yeah. So there's. Uh, I'll just. I'll. Just do the English translations because there's so it. many. Um, but the first one was asterimu is my star, suimu is my life. Then there's the word for the normal things like my heart, my sweet one, my golden one, my guts, my mother. You'd my say that guts. like manamu and even if it's not your mom, like you just say that affectionately like, <laughs> oh, my mom. But there's also my child, like, oh, my child, <laughs> even if someone's That's not your child. And then there's a lot for different uh body parts and some animals there's my eyes my soul my liver my moon my sun my stars my everything <laughs> my everything and then the birds is my favorite my mum says it a lot she'll say peristerimo which is my pigeon or my dove um my eagle my turtle dove i didn't know that's what it translated to i looked it up but when someone says trigonimo they're calling you their turtle dove say it again slowly maria trigoni beautiful i thought it might translate to a trigon but that sounds way less cute the studio is just getting very warm yes <laughs> my canary my little bird is pulakimo and the list goes on so those were some greek ones some very cute ones we had a submission from someone in the cult uh patrick who's listening in london at the moment but uh speaks speaks french he submitted this audio and i'm just going to play it for you et ton père envolu parce que je pense qu'il a volé les étoiles du ciel pour les mettre dans tes yeux wow very sweet uh, that translates something along the lines of, is your father a thief because he stole the stars and put them in your eyes? It's so beautiful. Let's just listen to it one more yeah. time. It's so beautiful. Et ton père en volu parce que je pense qu'il a volé les étoiles du ciel pour les mettre dans tes yeux. 
It sounds so gorgeous. Maria said that French is a very beautiful language and you could literally say anything like, I am doing the dishes, and it would sound beautiful. (laughs) Yes, especially with a deeper voice and a soft tone. We also had a submission from Fong listening in Vietnam, where we don't know how to say it exactly in Vietnamese, but the transliteration reads something like Zep Hin, which is literally a puzzle game, but... It's actually describing the act of passion. Oh, putting the pieces putting together, the pieces right? together literally Fong had specified it's not like a mental puzzle not it's mind like games. not mind games it's those annoying tile matching finish at the picture puzzles yes i see in his <laughs> submission he wrote see where this is going <laughs> and now we do as i read it out on it <laughs> uh, there was one in portuguese do, do you want to try saying it because i think it's similar to spanish i've heard it in songs but i know i'm saying it wrong it's Gostosha, 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 something like that. Delicious. Anyone in Portugal or Brazil help us with the translation? Meaning super attractive. Um, To call a woman that means that she is sexy or hot. You can try those on someone that you love um, today during the week. Report back to us, Coach Cult on Sin. We're on Facebook and now radio. If you love us or just acquainted with us through the show, give us a like and you can contribute to the show in many fun ways. Share your experiences, love or otherwise cultural. On that note, let's get into a nice French song, Quelque en Madi, a song about hearing whispers that someone still loves you. This was a song an artist that I listened to a lot in high school and I thought it counted as French homework, but Turns out it didn't. Whatever works. <laughs> this is the Coach Cult on Sin on our love theme episode. Kia ora, you're listening to the Culture Cult on Sin. Welcome back to the Coach Cult on Sin. Feeling nice and warm and fuzzy after that song. This is the Coach Cult with Bex and Maria Kalkan Mati by Carla Bruni, a French song. What does it translate to, Bex? Someone told me, but the song is about... Um, Hearing whispers that, you know, someone, a past flame, still has feelings for you. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and hearing those little whispers along the way. That's so beautiful, so appropriate. This is our love-themed episode on the culture cult, um, talking all things love, cultural dating, um, marriage, romance. Um, we received a... An email. Letter, yeah. Something in the... Um, in the inbox this week from Valentino. Valentino is a listener in Lebanon and sent through his uh, cultural dating experience. We're going to read this half-half, I think, Maria. So, long-time listener. That's a lie. We've only been on for a month. (laughs) First-time emailer. Hello, Valentino. My experience with love involves the dating scene. I'm a Lebanese man who's who's dated both non-Lebanese and Lebanese women, and I find there to be a clear difference between the two. Yeah, we're sexier. (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. Dating someone who hasn't been brought up with the same culture as you can be challenging. That's definitely relatable. There can be certain differences that can be misunderstood. In my culture, bringing someone home to meet the family or even to stay over isn't really common as it usually means it's someone who you potentially want to marry. 
some parents, thankfully mine, don't mind who I date as long as I'm happy. However, other parents are old school and prefer we bring home someone from our community. I think you can relate to that too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, I was dating someone local, like from Australia, but they couldn't speak a second language. And my grandma in Greece (laughs) was like, how? (laughs) Even though I live here. How is it possible? Um, Yeah, if we pause the story there and break that down a little bit, I think that's um, always been an interesting expectation for me that if the older generation expect us to date within our community, well, communities are relatively small comparatively to the rest of the general Australian population. And if we've grown up here, we've studied here, we've gone to uni here, school, all the rest of it, I think more likely than not, we're going to encounter dating people or even just making friends from outside our culture. And to me, that seems normal and expected, but it can be a big deal and cause a lot of friction within communities and your own one's own reputation in community. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's what uh, Coralie, who we were speaking with, touches mm-hmm. on a lot in her work, um, Melbourne poet Coetry Dimitriadis, about cultural dating and expectations from your family. Valentino goes on to share a story about a friend who brought home an Australian woman. He's also of um, Lebanese background. And the grandmother who lives in the house with them said in Arabic, why do you always do this to me? (laughs) Which is a bit funny, but actually quite sad. So although it's a bit funny, there's a lot of tension when she's at their place. It's quite nice, though, to introduce someone to your community, friends or um, people you're dating otherwise, and to teach them about your culture and aspects of your background. But all parties involved have to be willing to share that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, on a positive note for Valentino, they've been dating a Lebanese woman for three years now, uh, the first um, Lebanese woman that they've dated. Valentino says they feel incredibly comfortable with them because they understand the limitations regarding, you know, visiting and staying over. They can relate to their family, their values and their culture, and they love them as their own family because they've accepted me into their home. And I always feel welcome and comfortable when our families are together. Thanks for listening, Valentino. And thanks for sharing your story. That's so sweet. We love it when we get um, anecdotes stories in our inbox you can always be anonymous as well and whether it's love otherwise any other cultural experiences you've had we want to build them into the stories into the fabric of our show you can email us at culturecultradio at gmail.com that's right or you can even slide into our dms if you're feeling a bit cheeky culturecult underscore sin s-y-n on instagram or Coach Cult on Sin on Facebook. We podcast the show there. And excitingly, we're also available on streaming platforms now as well. So you can link it to a lot of places where you hear your podcasts. Let's get into a, a lover of Maria's, or she wishes. The <laughs> prospective future father of my children, uh, Conan Osiris. He was robbed of progressing to the grand finals in Eurovision this year. And this is a song from his album, Adora Bolosh. Um, this is the single that is the namesake of his album, Adora Bolosh, translates to I Love Hats. This is the Coach Code on Sin. Ciao, Bella. Dovremmo ascoltare a Culture Cult con Becca Maria. You're listening to Culture Cult with Becca Maria on Sin. 
beautiful Conan Osiris, spelt Conan Osiris, O-S-I-R-I-S. But not as in Miley Cyrus, as I discovered. No, <laughs> Osiris. Um, that was Adoro Bolosh, A-D-O-R-O, space B-O-L-O-S, um, sung in the language of Portuguese. You're listening to The Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. One of the many lovely um, languages, love songs, just sounds so much sweeter in. This has been our love-themed episode. We've talked cultural um, expectations of dating, joined by the lovely Coralie. Um, I think there's a beautiful quote on her Instagram that I would like to share um, when she talks about um, just just a whole, summarises a lot of her work and a really good message um, to carry with you today and throughout the week. You don't need to be friends with people you don't agree with or like just to get ahead. You don't need to torture yourself. They may never come around. Plant ideas with people you see eye to eye with. It may take longer to see your dreams grow, but you'll be happier, wiser and stronger for it. That's so sweet. That's a really nice way to summarise, you know, sharing our experiences. Yeah. You can follow Coralie's work on her website, coraliedemetriadis.com, or on Facebook or Instagram as well. Her yeah. book, uh, Just Give Me the Pills, is out in big bookstores and online um, as we speak. During the week, there's so much um, that we do to plan the show and to share with you. So if you would like to be a part of that and a part of our cult, hit us up, Culture Cult on Sin, S-Y-N, on Facebook, now also on Instagram, and streaming our podcast online if you do miss it if you've just jumped in the car and you've just caught the tail end of our show don't worry we will upload that um very soon thank you for joining us on the program today and to finish off with we've got to go out with a big love anthem this was another one of maria's picks so i'll let her announce it this is i'm in love with you by greece's sweetheart sakiruva it's an english translation of the Greek song of the same name, Sehoiro Tifti. I'm in love with you, Sakiruva. You're listening to The Culture Cult on Sin. And we love you, all our Culture Cult members, newly acquainted and ones we've loved for a long time. Have a great day.